What's up, guys? We are in the third Seasons of Life episode. This is the season called Coaching, and we're going to tell you how to coach and what it looks like. Church. Family. Theology. News. Entertainment. Evangelism. If it's Christian, then we're talking about it. This is the Mike Charleston Podcast. Hey everyone, this is the Mike Charleston Podcast. This is Mike Charleston. I'm with to, with my wife, Sarah, today. Hello, everyone. How's everyone doing out there? Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, thank you. How are you doing? If you're listening on the podcast, then you can't see us, and that's good. So anyway, anyway, we have a lot to do today, but first, before we get into it, we're going to be talking about Seasons of Life Part 3 which yep. is coaches. And that's where the, that's actually our phase right now. So that this is the season of life that we are in and we're going to talk about that in just a, a little bit. But first, we have a little bit to talk about what happened to us this weekend and that was going to the Florida Shindig. Yep. That was got to drive what 10 hours? 10 hours. And got to see what that trip is like since the grooms do it often to they do. come and visit us. So we got to experience that for ourselves we actually got to stay with the grims shout out to larry larry what are you doing yep 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 no he's he's working that's what he's doing but no we we appreciate them putting us up we actually got we only stayed there for a couple days right yeah three nights well i'm just saying the shindig we were only there two days friday and saturday yeah the our daughters went there the whole week and it was a whole week event and got to see some people there we haven't seen in a little while but mainly we we got to see some of the listeners actually if you're listening out there uh butch i didn't even know he listened uh he's the one who puts on the shindig and uh so we kind of relate a little bit after putting on ours in mississippi and his in florida so we get to talk a little shop, and that's always fun. But I appreciate uh, Butch for listening. Shout out to Butch and his wife, uh, wonderful family over there. It's a lot of work putting on their, the shindig, and I think his is even more of a headache. It's a lot of work. It's a long, much longer shindig than what we do. So they have much a whole, longer. whole week and many more people than what we have. A little bit, uh, yeah, it's just spread out, so have to deal with a little bit more. Ours is very confined to our camp, which is fine. makes life a little bit easier to, for us. Right. But no, we got to we got to see a number of people. I can't even remember all the people. So if I forget you, uh, we got to see the the Dodds there, and we got to see the Grims there, and the and our consultant was there very yeah. much. So he's yeah. always an ever present help there for us and um, zooming around at the camp. Yeah. Um, who else was there that we saw? Just there was a number of people that we were able to ke- ke- keep up with and catch up with. And so anyway, we have a number of emails this week. Actually, just one we're going to read. But a lot of people actually were talking about the seasons of life. And so in the email segment, we're going to actually read the email, but then we're going to talk about similar things that people have been talking about. They they wondered why we didn't cover a certain thing. They didn't We didn't cover going to college or something like that. So we will talk about that a little bit, and then we'll talk about 
the question that actually Larry has not been part of the show, but he emailed and we will answer his question on, on the air here. So anyway, that was it. That was our weekend. Anything that you can think of from the week? Um, it was just surprisingly cold for Florida. It was we very thought, cold. Thought we would go to warmer weather, but we didn't. We so. did not. It, it was colder than here. So thank you, Florida, for freezing us. But we did have a we get to, got to sit down by the beach, yeah, at the lake, and uh, uh, it was sunny. So at least it was yeah. sunny. But right. we had our coats on, and it was fun. We enjoyed it. It was it's it's a nice little trip to well not little trip, for us to go on. So thank you for all those that put together the Florida shindig. And if you haven't listened to our podcast on fellowship and how important that is, go back and search that. I think that's a really good one for our time and why we do this, why Butch puts up with all this to put on the shindig, why we do this for right. all these gatherings that we do. We think it is that important to, to get people together and get Christians together. So if you haven't listened to that one, go back and find it and listen to it. I think it's, it's called Let's Fellowship or something like that. I don't know. But uh, go back there and find it. But anyway, I guess uh, if that's it, we'll go ahead and uh, take a break and come back and get right into our subject for today. You're listening to the Mike Charleston Podcast. All right, we are back, and I'm with Sarah, my wife, and we are talking seasons of life. So let's give a little recap real quick there, babe. Well, so um, two weeks ago, we talked about the training camp, which is like zero to 20, right. roundabout. Obviously, these aren't exact um, ages. But um, then last week, we went into the starting lineup when you actually start your life and you Between make all 20 those and 40. big decisions. And so this week, we're going to get into what it is to be a coach. There's the 40 and 60, and that is our season right That's now. That's where we are. That's where we are. <laughs> Better barely, pay attention. Right? We kind of just made that. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, and then the last one is general manager, which we'll get into next week, hopefully. And um, we'll, 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 we'll cover all those. But anyway, that's a little recap of going back. Now, there are a couple questions that we have regarding the previous season of life. That is the most, probably the most questions are going to be in that season, the, the, the actually playing and doing and, and all that. So I'm not surprised about that. But our, our season that we are in, we're going to cover today, and that's called the coach or what I would like to call the transition. We are You are transitioning from being a person that is out there doing to a person who is overseeing. And we'll, yeah. we'll get into a lot of that when we're talking about church life and what that actually means. But in, right now, we're going to talk about where we are, the coach. Yep. So hopefully by this point, we've figured out some things is the idea. That's why a coach can coach, because he's lived... He's lived the player's life. He's done all that. And so now he's kind of moving into a time where he can direct other people. So hopefully by this point in our lives, we actually have some experiences right. in our pocket and we can maybe try to help other people as they begin. And, and especially as we were just talking about at the shindig with a bunch of young people, I think this is very appropriate. The A lot of young people get confused on what season they're in or where they think they are in life. And in 1 John 2, 12 through 15, we definitely have a distinction of people. Now, this it's not we're kind of ripping it out of context a little bit, but I think we definitely see three groups of men here. Uh, would you like to go ahead and read that, babe? 
Sure. It says, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the father. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. So as we can see here, there are definitely different people groups that he's talking to, not that we are more important or more inferior or either way. You know, it, it doesn't matter where we are on this time progression of life that God has a program. And if we don't really embrace the program, sometimes we get out of order and it messes everything up. And God is a God of order. The In, in marriage, in family, in society, there is an order. God is a God of order. He does not like disorder. And so sometimes we can get really messed up and really confused on where we are in life. So this is why we are covering this. I know we mentioned that the last two, but we're just saying it again. Yeah, just, important. Yeah, it's that important. So there are different groups that, that the Bible does speak to. There are some times when he talks specifically to fathers. There are sometimes he specifically talks to husbands. There are specifically times he talks to wives, wives right. and children and servants and the church and not the church. So there are different groups of people that he's ta- uh, constantly talking to. And obviously there's a great big picture in this. Salvation is for all at any season, right? Absolutely. So <laughs> we're not talking about salvation here. We're not talking about ministry, even though we will talk about specific types of ministry. It doesn't matter how old you are. You can always share the gospel. You can always tell someone about the love of Jesus, whether you're five or 85. You can tell someone about Jesus. Now, some of the outworkings of that and some of our roles that we have in society and in church and in the family, we're going to discuss. And so we have just come out of the second phase. We are the starting lineup. Now, obviously, a lot of these go into each other. Most of the people in the coaching phase between 40 and 60 still have kids at home, right. most likely. Yeah. And we do. And most people that are between that age are in that transition period where they're pushing their kids out. But as we were talking about earlier, we have a, in, in America, we don't really embrace family as much. And we'll get into this in just a little bit, a little bit more. But we don't embrace family. We don't embrace our, our proper biblical roles. The, the Bible does not teach individualism as much as America does. So we are a unit. We are working together. It's like a machine here that God has created. And he has the children. It takes them about 20 years to kind of get all the information they need. Right. Then they can actually start their life. For the rest, of, I mean, it's not just 20 and 40 that they have their own life. It mm-hmm. is on. The rest of their life is they're making decisions. But they are pretty much making all their decisions, deciding who they're going to be, what they're going to be, how they're going to live in those mm-hmm. 20 to 40 years. Then we come to the 40 and 60, and we are at that point where we start to slow down. Whether that's good or not, I'm not sure, but we we do. (laughs) Just happens. It just does. And our role changes a little bit, just like in the sports theme, the coaches no longer go out there and run the 40. (laughs) You know, he he might be able to, but there's going to be plenty of people can pass him up. But he can sit there and go in the film room and study and, and watch the opponent and seize the strategies and can come up with better strategies so that the players on the field can win the game. And that yeah. is kind of like our role at this point. We have, we've been raising our children, yeah. and they are about to get launched out in the world 
and, and some of them are, and they're they're starting their lives. They're getting married. They're involved in ministries. They're uh, missionaries or wherever they're at. Doesn't right. matter. We're in that position where we can help. Uh, like when our kids went, uh, they've gone to different missions trips or uh, outreaches. It's always been led by adults, though. You know, it wasn't yeah. just a bunch of kids their age. Even though there's not necessarily anything wrong with that, if you just say, hey, let's go out witnessing today, and it's just you and a friend. But there is something about an organized outreach or an event or mission trip, especially, right. where you have those seasoned people that are in those positions for a very good reason, and they know what they're doing. They just can't do it all, and so they get the young people to go out there with the energy. <laughs> right. Right. Well, because leadership is very important and something, I mean, if you read the Bible, you can definitely see where God calls out leaders and he has leaders lead the people and not just getting a bunch of young people to just go. It's important to have leadership and people that have walked the walk a little bit to show the way. Yes, leadership is something that we don't really like to talk about in our circles. Uh, we do house church, and you, if you go on message boards and house churches, and they don't like leadership. The fact of the matter is God is a God of leadership. There are people in, that are 70, 80 years old that are way above us, now, not in knowledge necessarily, right. in experience. And mm-hmm. you know why they have more experience than us? Because they've lived longer. They've lived longer. <laughs> so that's kind of what that means. Uh, like I was telling my son, he's he's about 20. And I was saying, son, it's not that you're immature. You are immature. But it's not that there's anything you can do about that. Life has to happen for you to get that maturity that you're lacking. There's there's certain things in his life that I was telling him that he just was lacking. And he needs to grow up. But it's nothing that he could do. He, like, well, yeah. help me. I want to, I want to become more mature. And I'm like, I, I appreciate that. Life will do that. <laughs> you know, life yeah. is coming, son, and you're going to have to learn those things at that point. Yeah. Um, and there's no way to really prepare you for some of those things right. except for just go through it. Yeah. Well, I think about even, um, when you talk about coaching and leading younger people, I just think about even on the practical level, just like as a mom, at this point, I've, I mean, my, our youngest is 13. So I've been through all the baby and toddler and little younger ages. So it's easy for me to sit down with somebody and to say, this is how I got my kids to sit quietly, you know, during church or to not throw food at the table or, right. you know, all those little things that, you know, I have years of experience doing. Well, now I can turn and help somebody who has young kids and they're just starting out and they don't, they don't know. They don't know how to do it. I didn't know how to do it either until I lived it. Well, and this is part of the problem. We were talking about this earlier, the problem of the American system, the American way of life. We're so spread out. It's just the Western life. And we're so separated from each other in our seasons. We usually go to church, check out our churches. We have the old people way off in the and then a corner over here, we have the young people, the kids in one section, we have the teenagers in a section, we have the young adults over here. Right. We, we subdivide everybody up, and they're not together. But when you put everybody together, it's amazing how God works that. that, that even in a family, look at the grandparents and parents and children and how they work together. Someone has wisdom. Someone has been through life a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And in the church, we are missing that a whole bunch. A whole lot. <laughs> yeah. and, and so... And what I mean by that is that we have a lot of experience over here, 
and a lot of zeal over here, and they don't ever get together. And 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 in that process, we miss a lot. I think there we we need a lot of the wisdom and the zeal together and go forward. We're we're working together on this. We're not working against each other. And it seems like in America, especially in the Western mentality, that is to send their kids out to be individuals. And they can figure it out on their own. They don't need any help. And that's where arrogance comes in as a young person. When you're in that 20 to 40 age, you need to understand that there are leaders and people in place for your good. Like this is for your good. And just like in the coaches, they give guidance, they give advice. They're, They're here for your good. Right. Just like, so don't be overconfident when a young person in their 20s and 40s, they think they can just go out, conquer the world. They don't need anybody. Right. And so I'm going to just do it myself. I'll figure it out, even though there are people that have done this before and can help you in this. So don't be overconfident, you 20 to 40-year-olds. You still have much to learn, and God had people ahead of you by age and life experience who can show you the way, and that is us. That is where we are, and this is the phase where we can try to teach, to show, to give advice. We're starting to get into that that age where now we are beginning to give our knowledge to the younger generation. And and in some ways, and even to our own generation, you know, there's a lot of needs out there. But specifically for the younger people, they're going to have a lot of questions. And so people that are in the 40 to 60 range in the coaching phase here, you hopefully are in a position where you can be a person who is going to be able to teach and to lead and to guide. Now, I know that not everybody is going to be there. This is obviously the goal, right? This is where you want to be. You do not want to be... 40, 50, 60 years old and just now getting saved. Now, if that's where you are, that's where you are. Yeah, can't help that. Right, right, right. Better to get saved at 40 or 50 than never. But hopefully, if if you do things right and you're raised in the right way, you you've already you're learning all the things you need to learn. You've done, you've proven yourself, and now you're at that place where I can now show others. And this is a tough one because you want to start doing that a little earlier than maybe you're supposed to. You want to show people back when you're 25. I know I did. Yeah, pretty much. And you hear people at 25, 30, even trying to tell, you know, a 22 year old, oh, this is how you should do it. This is how, this is what I did. And this worked and they're overconfident and, and not that they can't ever be right or have right answers or good advice, but it would be better to defer to people who have tried it a little longer. Well, it's, it's, it's our human nature. We're going to want to help. And our groups that we are a part of, if you're 22 and you're wanting help and someone just went through courting or dating or getting getting married, it might be very appropriate to ask them a question. Yeah. Uh, The people that are 26 or 27. And even though they're the same age group, you know, they, they might have some valid insight. But guess who else who has a valid insight? The 40 to 60 year olds. They have a different perspective. We can't neglect that. And that is where we come in is to kind of show them and say, hey, this is the way it should go. I think that if you are 20 to uh, 40 to 60, if you're in the coaching phase here, if I'm speaking to you, I think you should go out and find someone that is young a young person, 20 to 25, and start helping them. Now, yes, they have parents. I have kids that are in that age. I am also not arrogant to think that my kids only listen to me. 
I think that at this point they are entering in the 20 to 40 age and they're going to have other people that speak in their life. Yeah. And they should. As they should, right. Right. They should. I have a bigger part to, to play maybe, but I'm not going to be ignorant and think that they're, they're now branching out. They're going to have many voices in their life and some that are going to be really, really good and yeah. ones that I would encourage. And they need another voice. And so in the same way, I need to go and look for someone to help that. Now, in Titus chapter 2, it does talk about the role of men and women in in a sense. And there's a very subtle thing here. Now, we didn't type out the verse, but you know what it says. Oh, it's right there. Okay, it is right there. Uh, But go ahead and read it while we're here. Okay, it says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior, as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Wow, so there's a there's a lot there. Now I know yeah. a lot of people point to Titus two and be like, oh, this is what the woman should do. Well, there's there's things here for the guys too, yeah. and I think it goes both ways here. And so obviously, your role now as a woman that's in this forty to sixty age, uh, you're kind of the aged woman now. I don't know, maybe I can't wow, say that on just camera. Said that, <laughs> <laughs> but you are. Uh, your role is slowly transitioning from helping your kids, even though that'll never stop. Yeah, I'm still doing that. And looking to help the other younger ladies. And my younger daughters, who are young ladies, are going to be looking for other women too. Most likely you, but there'll be their their future husbands, their, their moms. You know, right. there, there's going to be other ladies in the church that, that know things. So this is where they're going to start branching out. We need to branch out the other way. At this phase, we need to look to be leaders in other people's lives, look to help disciple young men and give them advice, help them out. And uh, I think that is a very, very important uh, point. Yeah, no, definitely. I do think, I don't know, I just think about when you say look for people, it, I, I, I'm assuming you don't mean like just find younger people and go up and try to tell them how to live their lives and, you know, step in and think, hey, I have all the answers, let me tell you what to do. But hopefully you get to know them a little bit and you start to see where they're at in their life and you're able to give them advice, you know, without... Well, that. once again, once we when you read Titus 2, and my idea of church leadership is probably way different than most people's, but in, in church leadership, and we'll get in that after we come back, but if you are a true leader... It's going to be obvious. You're going to be one that cares about what young people are doing. You're going to ask questions in their life. You're going to try to connect. Maybe you don't connect with everyone, but there should be a few that you connect with and that you keep up with and that you talk to, communicate, ask questions. How are they doing? How are you doing with your marriage? How are you doing with your kids? If they're not married, how are you doing with ministry opportunities? You, You encourage them. You are that coach. That means you get involved in their life. That means you consider them unto love and to good works, as Hebrews says. And so pray for them and encourage them to get into some kind of ministry or something. If they're not, then you start one that they can be a part of. Right. You're like, hey, I can show you how to do this. You, you've never been out passing out tracks? Here, let me show you. And if you've never been out passing out tracks, well, then guess what? You're going to have to figure that one out real quick yeah. if you want to show them the way. But uh, but no, this is this is a very, very important phase because without coaches, if you know anything about sports, 
I know recently here with COVID-19, I remember some stories where uh, I think it was a, I think it was the NHL, the hockey team, uh, the coaches all had COVID, so they, there was no coaches, and they actually won big time. Wow. But that doesn't normally happen because all the coaches, what they do is a lot of the behind scenes. They, they organize the practices. They organize the, the strategies. They, they figure out what's going what, what's gonna to go on in the game. They, they try to get the players to get to the position where they can best be who they're going to be. They right. use their talents the best that they can be. Right. In the same way, that's what we need to do is figure out how we can get certain people are, are, are they ready to get married? Should we encourage them to get married? Are they just really so gung-ho for ministry, and should we push them that way for that little while in, in their season? Uh, we have to be aware and, and get involved in their lives in order to do this. The church has it all backward, where yeah. we don't get involved in young people's lives at all. We need to get involved in the young people's lives, and each other's yeah. lives, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think what's important here is that for people in this this phase of life when you're starting to become a coach, I think it's important that you really consider what you would say when people come to you with questions because, I don't know, for me at least, I know for you too, that a lot of people come to us and they just they expect you to have answers. Yes. So, you know, it's really something you have to prayerfully consider and realize that sometimes what you say can have you know, big effects on people's lives. So it's like you want to get it right. You want to you really consider... Um, how you answer these people when they come to you. So be ready with an answer. Be ready to help them in their questions and in their search for what they should do with their lives. Yes, absolutely. This is, it, it's a very, giving counsel is a very serious thing. And if you take that lightly, you're going to give bad advice and you're not going to take the whole counsel. You need to consider the whole situation yeah. and there's a lot to play. And guess what? In my phase, now here's a hint for next week. I've, I've counseled a number of people, but guess what I do? I go to even older people. People have been through it even more so than me and, and, and us yeah. and, and ask them, give them the scenario a little bit and say, what do you think about it? And he gives me some advice or they give me some advice and I'll be like, you know what? I never even thought about that. So just because you're in the 40 to 60 and you're a coach, if you're not a coach, that keeps on learning, then you're not a good coach. Yeah. You got to keep learning. Right. Um, so anyway. Right. Another thing, I think you have to pay attention to what's going on around you. Um, you think about the coach and how a coach pays attention. The coach knows what's going on there, you know? So in, in the things that are going on, maybe in your church with different families or whatever, it's important pay attention, know, know the situation and be well aware of, of what's happening so that when they do come and they ask for advice, you, you can help them. Cause you're not you, caught off guard. Right. Exactly. You're already paying attention to people's lives. This is the, the unique thing about the Christian church that, Sometimes the Christian church can be accused of being too in people's lives. But you know what? It is, it, it, we're using this to glorify God. We're using them to push them to, to good works and to love. But right. sometimes we can get too much in, in the way, and we need to step, step back and give them some space. Let yeah. the Holy Spirit do its work. Yeah. Uh, don't forget about that. So right. we don't want to waste time either. So this is a time where sometimes we think we're done. We raised our kids. Time we're done. To relax and sit back and Kick enjoy. Back. Enjoy life. No, this, it gets more intense. As life goes on, believe it or not, it gets more intense, even the next phase. You're like, well, how? You're, you're getting older. Yes, you may not, you may not 
be as active, but the burdens that you carry are going to be even more. Trust me, when you're in 20 and 40, the burdens that you think of are very minimal. You're you're thinking about yourself and then you think about your wife and then you think about your kids. So the burdens are way less, but they get way more as you get older. Yeah. So that's a, that's one thing to think about is don't waste your time. You're not done. Even if all your kids are out of the house, guess what? You're not done. Right. That's not why God put you here is just to have kids and to send them off to college. And now that's it. We have a much bigger purpose and he has a bigger plan and and we're part of that. And he wants us to be part of that. So he wants to still use us, even if our kids are moving out now, okay, they all moved far away. Well, we still have a part to play in the body of Christ and we need to push on and see what's next and be aware of what's going on. Right. Now you have here, keep family first. So your marriage should never be sacrificed to try to help others. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, I, I think it's important, like we had talked about date night many, many episodes ago or whatever. Check it out if you haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, or heard it. Just um, it's important that we keep our marriage where it needs to be. And, you know, like we have people come to us with different problems and issues and you want to help people, but we should never... Um, sacrifice our own marriage. We need to make sure to always spend time with each other yep. and c- keep that communication open And because we're not going to be able to help anybody if we're struggling. Well, that's a good idea for any phase, whether you're zero to 20 and you're like, I need to get information, right? That's all that my phase is. Well, well no, you still need to be part of the family. Yeah. Don't ever be separated. Don't become an island unto, your, uh, unto, unto yourself. Be, be connected somehow, some way. It is God made us to be connected one to another. This is a very vital part of the body of Christ. If you're, if you're a young person and you don't really have a family, guess what? You have a new family. It's called the family of God. And you have people that are much older, that have been through some of these battles. They should be. And the problem is the church hasn't been teaching this for, for ever, hardly. Right. And so we disregard old people. Like, they don't know what they're talking about. So why even bother with them? Uh, if that's your attitude, shame on you. Uh, old people have a a big part to play in this. They have yeah. a lot of wisdom. They have a lot of experience. They have a lot of things that maybe you don't see. And the church is now turning towards young people and to run it. And well, you can see the fruit <laughs> of it. So it's not, anyway, it's not working very well. Not exactly. Well, so, and even even with your kids, like your your marriage, your your kids, all of that. I feel like sometimes because it's gone so well. I mean, it's like we've been married what almost twenty three years. Our kids are all grown, and we feel like, hey, we got this. You know, yeah, it's all we over. were we were success. We're so we feel like we can kind of coast a little bit. But um, the enemy still would love to get his foot in the door and to destroy our marriage, to yep. you know, wreck our family or whatever. So it's important to always keep that as, you know, pay attention and keep the communication open and make sure those relationships are good because they don't just stay good just because they were once good. Absolutely. we got to keep working on it. Life doesn't get easier. It gets more complicated uh, as life goes on. It doesn't have to be hard. It just gets more complicated. If, if you're truly doing these steps the right way, by the time you get to this age, you are ready to be a church leader. And we're going to talk about that When we come back, we're going to get into ministry and church, but let's first take a break and we'll come back with emails. The Mike Charleston Podcast. The Mike Charleston Podcast. 
Hey guys, thank you for listening to the podcast today. If you want to be a part of the show, go ahead and email us at talk at fellowshipofbelievers.org. That is talk at fellowshipofbelievers.org. Leave us a comment, a question, whatever you want to do. Uh, Please participate with the show. Thank you. All right, we are back, and I know we were going to do the email. I said we were going to do the email segment, but actually we're going to push that back, and trust me, we want to we want to hear what from you. Oh, come on, I want to know what you think. Yeah, we want to know what you think, but um, we'll save that for at the end, and we'll give you the email address for those who want to get in contact with us. Actually, it's talk at org. so if you're listening now and you want to email us, there should be a link at the bottom of, if you're watching on YouTube, go to the description, there's going to be a link to the email, and same thing on the podcast, there's a description thing, so people don't know that, and there's a lot of notes notes in the in the description and sometimes there's links and one of the links is to the email so if you would like to email i know a lot of people don't like to email but we're not gonna bite well too much um larry did email so we're gonna read his later but we're gonna continue on with the seasons of life with the 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 point of like ministry at this point so we're obviously we're talking about marriage and things like that and uh That's right. We're talking about that. But our culture in America does not make this easy for for us. Not at all. The the American culture does teach individualism. It is you need to become as independent as early and as quickly as possible. The Bible does not teach this. The Bible does not teach that we are independent and that we are never connected. The Bible is a family book. The Bible is a church book. Not really a church book, but you no, know what I'm the, saying. The body of Christ. Right, so. the body of Christ. We are connected. It, the, the nation of Israel was connected by identity, by who they were as a nation. And they did certain things that made them who they were in the same way from families. In the same way in the New Testament, what's our identity is in the body of Christ. We're not just doing this all by ourselves out here and forgetting about everybody else. It is very important to be connected one to another. And yeah. so being a coach... You're, you are looking, as we talked about earlier, to reach out and to minister, uh, whether it's through an organized missions trip, whether it's yeah. through uh, an outreach program, whether it's doing work at the, the uh, mission thing, you know, feeding the needy programs or doing Bible studies or whatever that looks like, this is your time to actually be in leadership, and this is where you start to lead. Now, maybe by the time you're 40, eh, you may not be. I know that's about the time we started to, to step up our game and wanting to do a little bit more uh, was at 40. Well, when you say leadership, I think a lot of people have in their minds, you think of world leaders, you think of church leaders, you think of people with titles. And um, but, but when you're talking about leadership, like when God's making me a leader, well, you're not talking about necessarily being somebody with a title or somebody like that. You, that's no, not what you mean. No, not at all. So when we're talking about leaders, especially in the church now, I'm not talking about pastors here, okay? Because pastors, most pastors, believe it or not, are not even qualified to be church leaders. And yeah, that's a hard statement to make, but it wow. is. they're not qualified. Go look at 1 Timothy 3. They're going to have to spiritualize it. They're going to have to just make up their own qualifications. And quite honestly, they don't care. The, the church out there... The main denomination churches, all they care about is if you went to their university, got a diploma, and then they got put a part of their program, and now 
they they when when I was going to graduate from Bible college, they were going to put me in a youth position, a youth pastor yeah. position. I would have been 21, 22 being in leadership. Nonsense. What do I know about leading a bunch yeah. of young kids? I'm one of them. And yet this is this is the way that they have in church is for We'll put you in there. You can learn the ropes of being part of the program here. Then you can move up and, and maybe be associate pastor. And then one day you'll be senior pastor and you can run the whole thing. And it has nothing to do with qualifications. It just has what's it, if you can preach. And let me tell you again, being a good preacher has nothing to do with being in church leadership. Yeah. Anybody can preach. Anybody in our church meeting, if you don't know anything about church meetings, go back to at the very beginning of all the podcasts and we talk about the church there. But in, an, in, an, in a good church, how a church is supposed to look like, it's supposed to be interactive. It should be where people stand up and testify. They talk about what has been going on in their life. Some young men get excited and they get out and they, they, they preach something exciting. That doesn't make you a church leader just because you have something to say. Having something to say makes you a person that has something to say. That's yeah, all. Which can be a good thing. Which is, it, it's encouraged, <laughs> yeah. especially when they're in 20 and 40 and we're trying to raise up leaders. What have you been studying in the Bible? Well, it comes out. You want to talk about what has been, uh, what you've been talking about in the Bible. Yeah. That is the fellowship of believers. That's what it looks like where we're involved in each other's lives. And one person shares what's going on in their life. Another person shares. One person may have a teaching. Just because you can teach does not make you a church leader. So what makes a church leader is a, is a really good question. So the, the qualifications of First Timothy 3, we don't have it up here. But go through that, read those. It shows a person who is mature, who has been faithful. Right. Somebody who can lead by example, not by some great speech or some, yep. you know, teaching, which is fine. We need teaching and we need all of that. That's great. But that doesn't make you a good leader. doesn't make you a good leader at all just because you can uh, evangelize. It makes you a good evangelist. Right. Go out and it doesn't take any skills to do that. Go out and tell someone about Jesus. That's great. But eventually when people are starting to get saved... I've known many young men who go out and preach, who go out and street evangelize even, and three or four years later, I never hear from them again. This is why they are not supposed to be in leadership. You're not supposed to be a novice. You're not supposed to be one just newly converted. You need to have a track record of someone who is faithful, who has been through the battles, who is consistent, and does what God wants them to do. That is what a leader is, is someone who shows people the way. Yeah. Which really makes a lot of sense because raising a family kind of is that proving ground. If you can, you know, raise up godly children and children that are obedient and, you know, well-mannered and in order, as the Bible talks about, right. it, it shows a lot about your character. And I mean, that's a, that's a testing ground. And I feel like some people at 20, 25, they feel like, well, I got the spirit of God and I love Jesus and I'm, so I'm ready to go and start a church or ready to be a leader. And they don't understand that you haven't proven yourself. You haven't gone through that right. testing ground. So you got to go through that first and then you'll get to a place where you're ready to lead others. So yeah, in, in the Bible talks about marking people. Now, not, not with a physical mark, you know, but you, you go around and go, hmm, I'm going to mark that person. Now, usually it's to mark those people that cause dissension, cause problems. That's how right. we usually use the verses. But did you know you're supposed to mark good people? Hmm. And in Philippians 3.17, what does that say? 
Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. So yeah, Paul is saying, we're an example. Mark those that are a good example. It should be obvious who your church leaders are. And this is the, the problem that I have with people who neglect the Bible. They just forget about it because they're spiritual. And they say, well, I feel called. It doesn't matter what you feel. Yeah. Are you called for a specific thing? Right. I want to be a pastor. Well, you're not even married. You don't even have any children. Are, the qualifications are that you be a husband of one wife, that you have believing children, or not believing children, um, yeah, believing children, what, children that your house is in order. How can you have a house that is in order when you don't have a house? <laughs> Honestly. And I'm not trying to belittle the people who aren't married or people that we know a couple that... They're married and they don't have kids, and they're ministry, and they're pastors. And once again, I'm sorry, but you're not qualified to be a pastor. And I know a lot of people are like, well, that's harsh. You're not qualified to be a bishop because you're not... Once again, you can still do ministry. He can still teach. He can still do it. But he doesn't understand the workings of a family life. And that's where the wisdom and knowledge comes in. How is he going to help those that are struggling with their families? How, right. do you, how, how is he going to help with the church family when there's problems? Because he doesn't, he's never experienced it in his own life. I think that's why God is very specific on why we have certain church leaders. He can be a leader in the sense that he has been faithful, and, mm-hmm. and I would encourage him to be a coach, you know, so on and so forth, sit down with young men, and he might even have more time to, to talk about young men about certain issues that that uh, he can help with, uh, you know, that I don't have time necessarily to, to deal with. Yeah. But if, once again, if we go by God's program, things go a little bit easier. Instead, we've created a system out of nothing, out of the Catholic Church mainly, and we have professional people in professional positions that have nothing to do with the Bible. They just can perform, and they've gone to Bible college. They're part of the system. Right. And God rejects all that. God has a system, it's called a family, the family of God. And there's there's older people, there's younger people, and we all work together. And we each know our part to play. This is not to, you know, make fun of people and like, no, you can't do this. You can still do things, but it doesn't make you a church leader necessarily. But hopefully by this phase, when you're in the 40 to 60 phase, you are stepping up to be that leader. I noticed that in uh, Hebrews 5.12, you want to read that one? For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and of strong meat. Now, obviously, I'm ripping this way out of context here. The whole context of Hebrews 5 is totally different, but the concept here is that they ought to have been teachers, but now they need to be taught themselves. So Man. there might be some that are in this phase that ought to be teachers, and guess what? You're not. They're not, right. and they need to be taught themselves. No shame. We, this is where we are in our society, and this is hopefully where the, the more mature people can step up and take a part and, right. and teach right. and, and show the way again. So sometimes you do are at that place where the teachers need to teach the teachers, the so-called teachers. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not in that position. They're not quite ready yet. They're, they're immature for whatever reason, or their house isn't quite in order. doesn't mean they don't have something to say. Right. Or they can't minister. They can't share the gospel. They can't impact the kingdom of God. We all have a part to play, and we all can. But as far as leadership, as far as taking on roles where you're directing other people, well, that comes with 
experience that comes at the right time and in God's order, not when we feel like it or when it just seems like a fun thing to do. Right. So hopefully we can, you're starting to get the picture of each phase here. And we're not trying to be super controlling here, and you can only do this in this phase, and you can only, like, look, if you're not married by the time you're 40 and you get married, great. <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't, you didn't miss out on a phase. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can only do ministry in phase 20 to 40. No, 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 no. That's just your, your, you have more energy, you have more time, you can do a little bit more ministry. But in this phase, the 40 to 60, we should be leading up those charges a little bit more, right. showing people <laughs> with strategies how to reach out, writing books. This is a good time to uh, give everything that you have back and and to help others that are just starting out. You know why? Because I needed that. When I was in that 20 to 40, I sought all kinds of counsel. I got wisdom from all kinds of people that were older than me, and they were a blessing. They actually helped me out. And and, uh, I know that's shocking, but now I want to turn back and, and do that again. If we don't do that, then we're doing a disservice to the body of Christ. Yeah, absolutely. It's not time to kick back and enjoy. We we did it. We made it through that phase. And so now we can just enjoy life and wait to grow old and, you know, move on and not do anything. We still have a vital part to play. Absolutely. And so in, in our house, we like quotes and things. So uh, my wife has come up with a few quotes she found and she uh-huh. really, really likes them. No. I, I do. I thought these were interesting. So the first one was a leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. I like that one. That yeah. is, that is uh, my youth pastor said something similar to that, mm-hmm. where people don't care how much you know. They want to know how much you care. Yeah. And, and, and so yeah. anyway, a leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. That was John Maxwell, by the way. So here's another one. If you would not be forgotten as soon as you are dead and rotten, either write things worth reading or do things worth the writing. Yes. And if you can't figure out who did that one, that is old Ben Franklin. It sounds just like something he would say. <laughs> that's pretty cool. But yeah, that's a pretty good one. The uh, Let's see, we got a couple others here. Here's a, here's a good one. If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. I like that one. That one's John Quincy Adams. Um, don't know his work too much. But I like this quote because I, I do like to inspire others to do more, to be more, to accomplish more. And does that make me a leader? Uh, I hope so. But uh, when I played sports, um, I always, I liked my coaches and I always thought, man, I would love to coach. I I love to make people just a little bit better. I remember one day we were having church and uh, there was a kid that came to our fellowship and it was probably like our kids couldn't shoot a basketball to save his life, but he was out there shooting hoops. And I watched him and I looked at him and I grew up in Indiana. I know how to play basketball. And I uh, watched how he shot, and he was just throwing up bricks. I mean, he would hit the backboard so hard, probably like how Joshua shoots a basketball now, and, and my son. Uh, but um, so he was trying. I looked at him, and I said, okay, can you give me a second here? And I showed him how to shoot a ball. And I said, he just you stand here. you do." The, yep. I showed him. Uh, within five minutes, he was making baskets. Back, back, back. I was like, man, I like this. And I remember his dad come up and like, man, you should be a coach. And I said, well, I, I do like teaching sports. I just don't like them playing sports. But anyway, that's a whole other issue. But yeah, if you can, if your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more and become more, you are a leader. And this other one, this last one is kind of an unknown, but it's probably most coaches put together in one thing. 
It says, my responsibility is getting all my players playing for the name on the front of the jersey, not the one on the back. And if you don't know what that means, let me explain. So <laughs> usually you have the name of the team on the front of the jersey, and on the back you have your name, the right. individual. And so are you playing for yourself or are you playing for the team? And uh, that's why I like hockey. Uh, I grew up, my dad was a hockey player. And I grew up around the rink and watched hockey, and that is the ultimate team sport. Football is one of those that are pretty good team sport, but literally hockey, everyone gets on. Gets it's it's a it's a team sport, and you sacrifice yourself for the better of the team. That is that is the point, and I learned that early on, and then maybe it carried into my marriage. Uh, so learning sports a little bit is all right, I guess. Mm. Uh, I rejected it when I was raising my kids, and my kids aren't very coordinated now. But they're learning. They're playing volleyball now. But it's it's you working as a team. It's not just me showing up for me to be the hero. Do I want to be the hero? Everybody wants to be the hero in America. When yeah. you talked about the church and you go, what does everybody want to be? They talk and they're like, man, I want to be like Paul. I want to be like Moses. Why? So you can be in the, the, the forefront? You want to be with the lights on you? You want to have your arrogance? You want your pride? You, what do you want? How about you just be a servant? You know, how about you be a, a humble servant in, in, in God's kingdom? Be a doorkeeper. You know, how about that? But how, how, why do we always aspire to be the, the top, the one where everybody sees and wants to be seen? And I know it's weird coming from someone who is just putting something on YouTube. But, uh, but no, why do we always aspire to be the one that everyone is looking at? And um, just be that example. Be that person that is faithful. Be that person who will be faithful in the little things. Yeah. And then guess what? God will make you faithful in many things. Yeah. You know, he'll, he'll bring those opportunities to you. He'll bring those people to you that you can help disciple. He'll bring those ministries. He'll open doors. He'll do those things if you're faithful with the little. If you want the lights and the glam, I hope you don't get it because if you get it, it's a shame. You don't want that. You don't want all the, the popularity and just for popularity's sake. And those big churches, because those big those pastors in those big churches have miserable lives. Um, don't believe them, what you see, their persona. Anyway, I think that's it. And we're going to uh, come back with a couple emails and we'll answer some questions about the previous season. So hang on just a little bit longer. The Mike Charleston Podcast. And we are back. This is the email segment, and we don't get too many emails, believe it or not. But um, we did this week, and it was from Larry. Larry, what are you doing? Yes, the guy that's usually on the show with me. He emailed in, and his wife and him—I don't know, Pam or Larry—I wasn't sure which one, but we'll just call it Pam and Larry. But anyway, so here we go. Go ahead and you're a better reader than I am because I don't have my readers with me. So go ahead and read okay. that. Good job on this subject. You mentioned you want your kids to live at home until married. There is, of course, a logical biblical reason for this. However, I would like to offer a different point of view. This is my take, not to argue, just a different perspective. It is my opinion that a young man needs to establish himself as a man on his own outside of the realm of his father. Let me explain. 
Temptations come at us from every way and throughout life and for a young and old man. Sexual temptations are the most difficult and most frequent. These are sometimes easier to hide living at home under perhaps the watchful eye of mom and dad. But when you are by yourself and no one watching you, then you have no one to hide it from. It is through trials like these that a man is either going to rise above his passions and lusts or give in to them. He will also decide if the Bible that his parents taught him is true or not. Those that rise above and follow Christ do so because they came to the conclusion on their own. The ones who follow Christ will most likely have some battle scars, but will be stronger because of it and have a stronger faith because it is their own. They will also be better husbands and fathers having gone through battles and coming out the victor. This is all said in theory, since none of my sons are married. I do have two sons living on their own, so I have observed their lives. One is chosen and is determined to follow Christ, and the other is floundering. Here are a few examples from the Bible. There's Joseph and there's Jacob. Okay. Well, Joseph, although he didn't leave because he wanted to, because he got sold into slavery, he did leave before getting married, and when faced with temptation, he followed God, and most likely the teaching he received from his father. Jacob left home on bad terms, well, because, well, his brother was going to kill him. Um, at the end, followed God. Esau stayed home, but did not follow God and married heathen women. David is, a, is another example. He was put in the service of the king, but chose to walk in righteousness. As stated at the beginning, I think your view is very worthy and maybe the most biblical. I just wanted to give another perspective and maybe something to chew on. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. We, we appreciate this. Um, yeah, okay. So another people were talking about college, too. And we'll get into college in just a second. But And I know we talked about this, Larry, but for the sake of the podcast, I said, do you want me to read this on the podcast? Because, you know, I will rip you a little bit here. And, and I'm just kidding. Um, but he was like, yeah, go ahead. This is an interesting subject. And I said, it, it is an interesting question because I think... I'm not really making fun of Larry here. He said he didn't want to argue. And I'm like, look, we're not going to argue. Uh, I'm right. You're wrong. We're not going to argue. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, he, he's not here to defend himself. But what he says is very, very good. I mean, it's a, a, a very understanding. It makes, makes common sense what he says at the surface level. It, may, it is very common sense. It's very American. It's very our culture. And it's not just our culture just to say, just send them out just because. Larry actually has a very good reason. He's thought about it and says, you know, this is my perspective that I don't think, you know, the only problem I would have is that if, noticed in here, it says it'll make them better husbands and better uh, something else, fathers. fathers, by being on their own first. I would disagree with that. Um, I don't think that matters, honestly. But, but here is what I said, and I know we talked about this at your house. This is my pushback a little bit. I'm not going to push back hard because this, I don't think I taught this as something that should happen. I said, this is what I want done in my home. If, if you send out your, your sons for whatever purpose, whether it's to get a job, to do ministry or something like that, that's on you. That's, that is, that's between you and them. Uh, I just prefer to have my children here under my headship until they're, they're grown and get married. And obviously, the week before my son gets married, I sure hope he's not here in the literal house. So hopefully, he is preparing his place and that we can, you know, he can go. But let me tell you this. The things that you said where the, the temptations and the, the will be who you are right. in, in life is absolutely true. It's going to come quick right there. But that time of life is so precious 
that I don't want to send him out there all by himself with no accountability whatsoever. At least in the home, there's some accountability. And every man, every young man that I've known to struggle with these issues, certain issues that you're talking about, uh, whether it's sexual temptations, whether it's pornography, whether it's whatever temptations they are facing, guess what? Mm, pretty much every single one of them struggled with it while they were living at home first. So I don't think it's a time thing or it's place thing. Yes, they have they have more access when they're by themselves. Right. And they can they can choose sure. to to uh, are they really going to live? And I get what you're saying. That makes I understand totally. They're, they are going to have to choose that. But in regular life, I am not without accountability. I have my wife. I have the church. I have you know my my even my kids keep me accountable sometimes, yeah. uh, just by the nature of them being around. Be like, uh. but. And my job, you know, all these things help keep me accountable. Then why do all of a sudden when we're at 20 to 25 or whatever it is that we decide now, son, you're going to have to do it all by yourself, even though I'm not doing it all by myself. I have a, a wife. I have a family. I have the church. I have all these things. And now I'm telling my son at the most crucial time of his life, the most vulnerable time in his life, the, mo- the time that he's most, most influenced that time. Why would we send him out all by himself at that juncture? Yes, he can quickly mature, but he can also go down that tunnel in a very bad way and without anybody there to help him out. My question would be uh, to Larry and to others, though, that are thinking about this. I'm not making this a rule or anything, for one. But if your son does struggle with this while at home, it's so much easier to help them with that than when they're on their own. For one, they may never tell you when they're on their own. They can hide it a lot better. Yeah. They can do all these other things. And yes, you say, well, they're, they're, then it really shows who they are. Well, in that case, why don't we just take a child and throw them outside and be like, we'll see who they really are. They're, they're, just because they're 20 doesn't mean they're fully mature yet. And as some people know, male brains aren't even fully developed until they're like 25. Which, and that's questionable. Yeah, <laughs> I've known some guys, maybe a little later. But uh, but anyway, I hope that answers your question. It's a very good thing to think about, though, uh, because to Larry's credit, I think his reasoning isn't terrible. Yeah. It's actually very uh, reasonable response that, hey, I want my son to mature and I want him to grow up and be a man. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. Jeremiah is in our house right now and we hardly see him because he's always working. And we're giving him a lot of freedom. Now, I know a lot of fathers may not do that, but that's not my problem. That's what I'm here to do is to help teach and to help show people that you don't want to be that overbearing father when they're 20. We have to let out the leash a little bit, you know, or cut off the leash even, but they're still living at home. They can come back at home. We can talk about issues. We can talk about things Uh, like Jeremiah experienced this weekend when he was here all by himself. He really misses everyone. You know, he he appreciates the company of people. And guess what? He was here all by himself. So he has to be a person of conviction and integrity even while we are gone. And he's going to have to do that on the job site. We don't know what he's doing right now. How do I know if he's not even at work right now? So there is going to, there's a level of that anyways, but I don't want to take out that accountability that God gives us. I don't, I have accountability in my life because I'm married and my kids, and because I choose to, it's tough for a 20-year-old to really have that. And and who are they they accountable to? Other friends? 
maybe. So anyway. So do you think that, are you saying that the proving ground can still happen, but can just happen in the home? Or do you think that it's not something that we have to have is a proving. No, no, no. You absolutely need the proving ground. I think that is, Larry's absolutely right about that. that there's no grandchildren in heaven, you know, yeah. only only sons and daughters in heaven. And to have someone has going to have to live it out. And guess what? Even if, so say I lived six months on my own, then I got married. Getting married does not guarantee that I'm not going to struggle with anything. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it actually intensifies mm-hmm. somewhat. And, and so that's the other part is just because you may have, have been victorious and may have proved yourself for six months or even a year doesn't mean anything for the next 20 years. Right. Uh, you get married and realize you just married a, a lady that's going to give you a headache and, and you want to go retreat and do all kinds of sin. That's on you. You're, it's still going to prove itself out. Life is approving your whole life, not just a, a year before you get married or two years before you get married. Yeah. Uh, the whole life is a, is a proving ground. I still have to walk in integrity when my wife's not around, when right. my kids aren't around, when I'm by myself. Uh, so yes, I think you can do that even within the family. You better do that within the family. Yeah. That's the, that's the place to, to learn. And then obviously on your own, you're going to have to make those decisions, but this life is a proving ground, whether we like it or not. And, uh, real quick, we'll cover the college thing. Yeah. Cause I feel like we mentioned college we last did. week very briefly, but we didn't really talk about it. And it is something that people, you know, in that 20 to 40 are considering going to college. And some people have parents that encourage them to do that, or they need to go because um, whatever it is that they want to do in life yeah, requires it. it. So th- this is um, a couple of people have come up to me and asked me about this particular subject. And they listen to the podcast and they're like, well, you didn't even mention that. What about this? What about? I'm like, oh, it's a, that's a good point. We kind of just blew right over it because, well, we don't really believe in college. That doesn't mean to say that you can't, but uh, I thought about interviewing Jared Dodd again about because he really has a passion on uncolleging. But having said that, I'm not a fan of the government school system in general. That's why we homeschool. I'm surely not in favor of institution that is vehemently against Christianity and is trying very hard to push evolution and other ungodly principles in our kids' lives what we call universities and colleges around our nation. So I am not for going to college just to go to college and get a general studies degree or whatever. Uh, I went to college to strictly go into biblical studies for to be a pastor. And then obviously I changed my my view on some things. Um, If you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or very specific thing, you may have to go to college. And But there are different alternatives for college. You don't have to go live in the dorms. You don't have to go uh, for the four years. There are different avenues. I'm not aware of those avenues, but all I know is I definitely don't want my daughters going to, off to college and living by themselves. I think that is an ungodly principle. Um, they should be under their fathership. And I know people are like, oh, you're Mr. Controlling. Call me whatever you want. I think that's biblical. And to send them off to college... Uh, they can choose to go, and I can't help that, but I'm not going to send them off to college, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And my sons, I'm surely not going to have them go off unless they are very specific and say, hey, I want to be an engineer, and here's an avenue. And I say, well, you don't need to go four years to a particular school. You can get, your, you can get some of the education you can get done at a local school here, and then you can get the rest of it here. But eventually, you probably are going to have to go to a university. 
uh, yeah. college and, and get whatever training you need. And so far, we haven't had to cross that road. Right. And well, and our culture says pretty much you graduate high school, you go to college. It's the next step in life. And we would say that's not the next step. It could be no. for you know a certain few that feel a specific need to go for a specific right. purpose. But in general, we push back on the culture and say, uh, yes. no. Now, college is for very specific education for a very specific thing. Unfortunately, that is not what it is. It is a place to go have fun. It's a place to go get drunk. And it's, a, right. it, it's, it's a lot of sin that goes on and a very few edu- education that goes on there. And so the, the idea of college is really not, we're not in favor of, but we understand it may be one of those necessary evils for some people. Um, but you should have, like, we have a, a, a person that listens to this show and I know I mess up his life all the time. He's like, man, you, you, you say, say things wrong about me, but, uh, he had to go to college for his particular field of study. That's fine. You know, you have to get your particular field of study. But I don't know if I would just encourage everybody to go do that just because it worked for him. And um, like if you have a very particular thing you want to go into and it takes these particular classes, then, then you might need to go. Um, sometimes you can take some of those classes at home. Sometimes you have to go to a community college. Sometimes you can go straight to the university, but you don't have to always live on the dorms and things like that. But anyway, that's, that's our idea on college. I know a lot of people are going to be upset because the homeschool movement these days and our culture these days is to education is the most important thing. And guess what? I couldn't care less about education. I couldn't say that. I mean, I care a little bit, but to me, my, the reason why we homeschool is to create culture in my own family. We want to create a godly culture first and foremost. We want to give them what God wants to give us. Then we give them education. Now, our kids are very brilliant. They're smart kids. They know they can apply themselves to many different things. And and nowadays with the internet, they can teach themselves just about anything. So our priority is not education, believe it or not. And I surely don't care what the culture says. And if they tell me our kids need to go to college, they can go pound sand for all I care. I don't care. I'm raising my kids, not the culture, not the government, not schools. Uh, it's very important to me. And if at that point they, they turn 18, 19, have a very specific thing they're going to do, hurrah, we can work on that at that, that, that point. But I'm not going to push them in that direction. So anyway, I hope that helps. I hope this is this is a fun season because that's the season we're in. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> no, they're, they're all good seasons. There's not one better than the other, like we said. But uh, next week, we'll be talking about the 60 to 80, the general manager phase. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully you'll join us next week. And thank you very much. You've been listening to the Mike Charleston Podcast. 